today on Ag News Daily. So because it's it's three times the width and because we increase the laser density, it goes um, it, it can cover more than three times the ground in the same amount of time. Um, and so on the new ones, we're doing about two acres an hour. Good afternoon and happy Tech Tuesday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr, joined here by Delaney Howell. And I know I probably say this almost every episode or every other episode, but I feel like it's already been a long week. It doesn't even feel like Tuesday. Hmm. What day does it feel like then, Ashton? I don't know. I've just had a lot on my plate this week, still have a lot to get done. So I don't know. I just feel like all my days are like running together. It's just one big, long day this week. Well, we need to fix that for you. What should we do? Hmm. You know what? I don't know. Maybe go back to like elementary school days and throw a pizza party or something. Oh, that's a good idea. I like that. Yeah, but um, either way, I've just had a lot to do right now. I feel like is a a weird time to have a lot to do because I'm not really into the thickest part of the semester yet, but still got a lot of schoolwork, a lot of work to be done. So either way, I'll I'll hop off my soapbox here, Delaney, and ask you how your day is going. (laughs) My day is going well. I am trying to get ahead on projects because next week I start basically six weeks worth of of um, traveling straight. So that'll be fun. I'm sure there'll be some days I miss the podcast, but yeah, my hectic travel schedule starts end of next week. So I am just trying to get ahead on some stuff. Yeah, I don't blame you there. And it's really going to be weird, I feel like for you for doing so much travel all at once. Of course, we started really traveling back up again, I feel like into late summer, early fall this year, but you're really getting into the thick of it here. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing because it's an indication that ag groups are getting back out there. A lot of events are being scheduled once again, and we're starting to see some resemblance of normalcy. But Ashton, while we're talking about that, I mentioned on the podcast, the trucker strike that was going on in Canada. Well, I was talking with my dad last night about that trucker strike and just kind of the implications that that will have, obviously, for Canadians. But apparently, there's trucker strikes going on worldwide. And the Canada trucker strike in particular that's happening has been, I think, somewhat ended. The state of Saskatchewan, I believe, has now pulled off and said that vaccine mandates won't be required for those truckers. But it's interesting to see this trickling effect happening to other nations as well. Um, I believe there's been some happening in Asia and South America as well. But it's interesting to see other truckers hopping on this same train because, you know, what we were talking about last night was essentially truckers are the ones that control your ability to have access to food because they are the ones ensuring that food products are getting to the parts of the country that they need to get to. So they really have a crippling effect on our food system if they decide that they want to strike for any particular reason. You know, one of my friends is actually trying to get his CDL right now and get out there and start 
doing some trucking of his own. And I was talking about it with him and he didn't even know that this was an issue that he could possibly be facing himself. It certainly is. And actually, while you're speaking about CDL requirements, this leads into my other piece of news I had today relating to the trucking industry. So I'm glad you mentioned that. It gave me a jolt of memory here. But new CDL requirements took effect on Monday and could cost up to $8,500 and weeks of training, which seems ironic because the trucking industry not only has strikes and has the ability to control the food chain, but they also have a hard time finding new bodies to fill those types of roles. But these new federal requirements put in place for CDLs that took place on Monday went into effect could impact hauling anything from grain and livestock to pieces of equipment, as well as inputs. And so the new requirements that went into place basically are new training programs. You'll no longer be able to obtain a learner's permit driving with a CDL holder for as little as a few hours. And now you have to go through a more rigorous process to get your CDL, including a variety of different things really here for all classes, class A, class B, And uh, this could have big implications for the trucking industry because it's making it a challenge to get your CDL permit. I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong that these implements are going into effect, but uh, it's certainly going to create a little bit more of a challenge for the industry. You know, I saw a tweet the other day, Delaney, talking about this, and it was talking about how, you know, we're short, what, like 80,000 is out the number we're, we're looking at here. Yeah. I don't know that number off the top of my head, but it is a large number. So that does not surprise me if it would be around 80,000. Yeah. Something like that. And they were talking on Twitter about how, if we're missing that many truck drivers on the road, then why are we making it pretty inaccessible to even get a CDL license? Right. And that is the continued issue we have in rural America, especially. So yeah, I won't even get into all of the political logic <laughs> behind it, but it's it's certainly a problem moving forward. Well, Delaney, another potential problem that we could really see moving forward here is some issues with eminent domain in the Midwest. As you know, there are some proposed carbon sequestration pipelines in the Midwest of the U.S. here, and there's been some discussion debate about whether or not these can be included in an imminent domain conversation, because there are some projects that are thinking that they should be allowed to seize land from unwilling property owners to secure a route for their pipelines. And so I kind of wanted to bring that to your attention, Delaney, and see if you have heard anything being there in um the Corn Belt region or, you know, hearing what people have to say about this, because you and I have talked about a couple of different pipeline projects that are going up, but I've never really thought about what's going to happen if these landowners aren't willing to participate. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't have a lot of insight into that other than I think we've seen that play out, especially here in central Iowa, as the Des Moines metro area continues to expand and farms a you know, one strove past or getting turned into commercial rezoning. So I don't have a ton of insight into that, but it's certainly an interesting topic to have a discussion on nonetheless. Well, you know, Delaney, another 
interesting topic that we have been talking about for quite some time now is Proposition 12. And now we have seen some new movements because, you know, a week or two ago, the state of California put Prop 12 basically on a hold. And I think that there's been some confusion going on here. But National Pork Producers Council says that they are hoping for a Supreme Court review of Proposition 12. Cody McKinley, who is with NPPC, says that Prop 12 may be on hold for now because of a lower court ruling, but producers need the certainty of a final rule. So as we kind of wait for that, we're still seeing some pork producers resume shipments to California after this pause. Seaboard Foods said earlier today that it's preparing to resume shipments of fresh pork to California customers after the state court delayed the enforcement of this law. So I'm not exactly sure when we'll see something come of this, but people are really going back to life as normal as if Prop 12 really didn't even exist. Yeah, it's no surprise either. You know, we've been watching the pork industry fight this since it was, you know, tried to be pushed out. So certainly something to keep an eye on, as was U.S. ag exports for 2021, Ashton. Final numbers came out today from the USDA looking at total exports in 2021, and they shattered all records. According to the data that was published today, U.S. farm and food products totaled $177 billion in 2021, topping 2020 by 18 percent and eclipsing the previous record, which was set back in 2014 by 14.6 percent. So certainly a reflection, you know, of commodity markets and the strength there. We're continuing to see extremely strong ag exports, even in lieu of the news you shared yesterday, Ashton, about Uh, The U.S. calling on China to make good on their promised uh, export purchases under the phase one U.S. trade agreement. We still saw great exports, record exports in 2021. The question is, will that continue into 2022? Well, Delaney, only time will tell there. And I just have one other story that I wanted to talk about here today coming out of Brazil. Of course, as we continue to watch out for South American weather, crop conditions, and what's going on down there, there's something else that we may need to keep our eyes out on, or rather corn growers down there are going to have to keep their eyes out on because they are complaining about a shortage of the herbicide atrazine used to control weeds and corn crops. And they're saying that farmers are not receiving orders on time as they are sowing their second crop of the season. In a joint statement earlier today, a soybean grower group and corn lobby in Brazil said that they had received multiple complaints from growers across South America about the unexpected cancellation of deliveries. So this could really just be another hitch in the planting season. It certainly could, Ashton, along with, of course, the weather we're seeing down there. And Speaking of weather, we got some reports today that certainly boosted Minneapolis wheat contracts that Canada would show a smaller than expected supply of wheat and wheat production here this year. They are indicating that, amongst other factors, weather certainly played a role in that this year, and that gave a nice little boost to the wheat markets today. 
And we also saw in the same vein that fertilizer prices have been dropping. Five out of the eight fertilizer prices dropped slightly week over week, according to DTN's fertilizer tracker that they put out on dtnpf.com. And the price of 1034.0 was the only fertilizer tracked by DTN to record a price increase compared to one week ago. So we're certainly starting to see fertilizer prices back off while commodity prices continue to rally. March corn today down three cents, closing at 632 and a quarter. Decent new crop corn up a penny, closing at 582. In the soybean pits, weakness all across the contract today is March soybeans closed 12 and three quarter cents lower at 1569. November down three cents, closing at 1413. In the Chicago wheat pits, we saw boosted movements today on that news that can. Canada would be potentially cutting production this year. Chicago March wheat up 10 cents today to close at 778 and three quarters of May up eight, closing at 784. Hopping over to take a look at livestock markets today, we saw mixed trade continue. April live cattle down 22 and a half cents, closing at 146.17 and a half. The June up 15, closing at 141.25. Feeder cattle had rallies today as the March contract added. $1.85 settling at 166.87 and a half. The April up $1.50 closing at 171.77. And that strength continued here into the lean hog markets. April today up 252 closing at 103.80. The May up $2.67.5 closing at 107.50. And lastly, wrapping things up with the class three dairy milk futures. March today down 29 cents closing at 21.64. The April down 21 cents closing at 21.89. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to our Tech Tuesday conversation for today. Well, for today's Tech Tuesday episode, we're talking about carbon robotics. And folks, if you have listened to any of our past Tech Tuesday episodes, you would know that we talked carbon robotics back in August of 2021, but they have a cool new announcement. So this time around, we are talking to CEO and founder, Paul Mikesell. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. So, Paul, before we get started talking about the new announcement that you guys just made yesterday, why don't we learn a little bit more about you since you are the founder of mm-hmm. Carbon Robotics and just go over with us, you know, your history in agriculture, your history in ag technology, those kinds of things. We want to get the full story. Sure. OK, well, my background is uh, computer science, computer vision, robotics, and um, I had spent a lot of time in the industry doing a lot of different stuff and places like self-driving cars and that kind of stuff and really wanted to work on something a lot more down to earth, real world, Um, had a number of farmer friends and started really investigating things that we could do on the farm to be helpful, um, both from a, from a technology and automation perspective, and also from the perspective of uh, traditional venture capital investment in the sector. We're trying to bring more effort into farming to make things better and bring farmers new tools. And then, so we really focused on this weed control issue. And when we figured out pretty early on that we could do this with lasers, um, which required no cultivation, no digging into the soil, no touching the soil, there's just so many advantages to doing things that way uh, that we've just been building and running as fast as we can. Um, So that's kind of the background and the history of the company. 
Awesome. And let's just kind of bring everyone up to speed here. You know, we might have some audience members who are new to the podcast, so they don't know exactly what it is that Carbon Robotics is doing. But you, apart from the technology, you have a product on the market right now, your autonomous laser weeder. So why don't we talk about that before we get into the announcement here? Sure. Yeah. On, and you can see on our website and on YouTube, um, a, n- a number of videos that we have showing our weed control robots out there in the field. So it's a it's a um, the existing products were a, a self driving autonomous weed control system where it uses lasers to eradicate weeds and then drives itself up and down the furrows of the field. And we've been doing this in production fields, you know, for produce going to market for a um, couple seasons now. And the thing that we just announced is our new, uh, much lot, much larger. Uh, it's three times the size of the previous product, so it's three. Um, it can accommodate up to three eighty-four inch rows, and it's a, a deployed as a tractor pull-behind implement. We did it this way so that we could increase speed and performance, get better ROI, and um, slide nicely into existing farming practices. And so this thing is, um, we also increase the laser density. So it's three times the width, but it has more than three times the number of lasers. So we went to 30 lasers um, from what used to be just eight lasers on on an 80 inch bed. So apart from the differences that we can see on this 2022 laser weeder, Let's talk a little bit more about the differences that you see when you actually have these products in the field. So Mm -hmm. how does this new weeder compare to the old one in terms of um, weeding capacity Mm -hmm. and how long it actually takes to get through the field, all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's great. So because it's it's three times the width and because we increase the laser density, it goes... um, it, it can cover more than three times the ground in the same amount of time. Um, and so on the new ones, we're doing about two acres an hour. And the uh, and we have a lot of examples of saving farmers their weed control bills um, up to 80%. That's uh, real world examples of, of, uh, of our history here. And um, uh, on top of that, with not breaking the soil, for weed control, there's a number of different advantages. We don't tear up the weed barrier or any fungicide barrier that's been laid down ahead of time. Um, too much cultivation. If you're cultivating just primarily for weed control, you wind up in a lot of cases just spreading the weed seeds around. It also really hurts um, water absorption, increases irrigation runoff, that kind of stuff. So the fact that we don't touch the soil um, is a huge advantage, and we just target the weeds with our uh, with our high powered lasers. These are 150 watt CO2 lasers. So it's the kind of stuff you might find in a cutting machine that can cut metal and things like that. So um, we apply this technology to weed control and then we tie it into our cameras and computer systems, which can identify weeds. And we have millimeter level accuracy, which allows us to get in between the crops. There's some pretty good videos on our uh, YouTube channel that shows us weeding in between high density carrots, high density spinach, things like that. And we can get right up next to the plant. We can get in between plants on the crop line. Um, And so the whole system is meant to be very easy to use, um, incredibly easy to set up, 
You don't have to tell it anything about where the plant lines are. It figures the whole thing out automatically from vision, uh, just like a person would. You know, you can walk up to the field and you can see where your plant lines are. Well, our computer vision can do that same thing. And so you don't need to do any kind of manual spacing or anything like that. And um, it's been incredibly effective. And then over time, it, it, with things like uh, labor rates increasing and reduced access to H-2A workers, and overtime pay, things of that nature, it's just becoming more and more obvious that um, trying to get access to labor for field work is continuing uh, difficulty for farmers. And we hope to help make things just much easier using our robots and our uh, laser weeding technology. So as we see, you know, ag technology developing, we're seeing a lot more of products that are using robotics and AI. So when it comes to configuration, how accurate or, you know, flexible, workable, whatever you want to call it, is this new laser weeder when it comes to those kinds of things? Because I think that that's a large concern for people who are actually on farms because I feel like more and more products are using these kinds of things. We're going to have to start paying a whole lot more attention when it comes to configuration. So can you give us an inside look to that? Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think one of the differences in our company is we brought in from the very beginning the best in the um, computer vision technologists. So these are folks who have very deep experience in a lot of the advanced techniques using neural networks and generally AI for computer vision. Um, some of the people that really invented a lot of these innovations. And so because of that, the computer on its own is able to learn an incredible amount about what it's seeing. And that means that there's very little setup for a, a human to have to do. It's really just get it to the field and then you tell it what crop you're protecting. Um, and that's basically it. Um, and this is meant to be uh, easier for people. You know, we're making things simpler because the, um, the control and quality we have with our lasers allows us to get around things um, that the computer is seeing on its own. So you don't have to do any setup about um, what the spacing looks like or anything like that. So, um, AI generally has come a long way. Computer vision generally has come a long way. Um, and we're, we're, I think, at our company pioneering uh, bringing those advances into ag tech. Um, nobody's gone anywhere near as far as we have towards bringing the, the best of computer vision to the farm. And of course, you want to always continue to grow and, and develop new ideas and things of that nature. But what was really one of the big reasons that you guys decided to develop this new weeder? Yeah, I mean, the speed and performance and um, uh, applying to existing farming practices really was the main motivation for the 2022 weeder. Um, it's really just how quickly can we go? And how easy is it to use? And going out as a tractor pull behind made this a really simple operation for people. Well, Paul, we certainly enjoyed getting to know a little bit more about this new announcement, which was just announced yesterday. So it is very exciting. If folks want to know a little bit more about Carbon Robotics, where can they find you at on the web? Yeah, carbonrobotics.com. You can, uh, we have a little form you can fill out if you want to talk to people. On the sales side, um, talk more about the product pricing. Um, we can set up demos for people in certain regions. Um, 
And we always just love learning about people's farms and what they're growing and how they're doing it, um, ways in which we can help. And um, just generally love talking to farmers. Well, Paul, thanks again for coming on and chatting with us for our Tech Tuesday segment this week. We certainly appreciate it. You bet. Yeah, thank you very much. And thanks for the interest in carbon robotics. Thanks again there to the folks at Carbon Robotics for coming back on the podcast today to chat about their new announcement that just came out yesterday. But folks, if you want to tune into any of our past Tech Tuesday episodes, you can do so at agnewsdaily.com. We're always having new and exciting guests on the podcast, but we like to check in with past guests as well from time to time. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.